0: This episode of Industry Focus is supported by Netsuite, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Download their free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits today at netsuite.com/fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, October 10th, and we're discussing pipelines. I'm your host, Nick Seipel, and today I'm joined by Molly Fool contributor Matt Dalalo via Skype. How's it going, Matt? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I think last time I talked to you on the show, you were talking about moving and had boxes all over your house. How has the progress been going on those projects around the house?
1: The boxes are gone. <laughs> we're all moved in, so it's it's uh, exciting. Yeah. So, all moved in.
0: We're here. Uh, today, we're going to talk about pipelines. A couple weeks ago, I had Jason Hall on the show, and we talked about T. Boone Pickens' legacy, but we also talked a little bit about the tax that had happened on the Saudi Arabian oil facilities. We got a question back from one of our listeners. Leland Payne. He said, "I appreciated your co- your commentary about the attack on the Saudi Arabian oil facilities and the market action for crude oil as a result. It was mentioned that there is a takeaway problem from the Permian Basin. It is my understanding that Kinder Morgan and Interpro- Enterprise Products Partners are constructing significant pipeline capacity to take away oil and natural gas to the Texas Gulf Coast and to Mexico. Would appreciate hearing a podcast on these two midstream companies, Matt. So first off." Uh, on the the pipeline takeaway constraints in the Permian, can you just for folks that are unfamiliar with what's going on here, what, what's the high level story there?
1: Yeah, so the Permian Basin just has like a ton of oil and gas, and so oil companies have just been drilling and drilling and drilling, and they've drilled so much of it that it's overwhelmed the infrastructure that was there, and so they've just, it's kind of slowed down the progress out there, and um, it's just created this huge bottleneck. Bottleneck of oil and storage, and then there's too much gas that they can't use, so they need infrastructure, and that includes pipelines, among a whole bunch of other um, type of things like processing plants and that type of stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, production has just exploded so much in the past decade or so in these big shale plays, particularly. The Permian. I've cited these numbers in the past, but between 2008 and today, the United States accounted for 73% of the increase in oil production worldwide. If you look at natural gas, the Permian Basin accounts for 10% of America's total natural gas volume and expects to double that output by 2025. So, just when it comes to you know pulling hydrocarbons out of the ground, that's an incredible growth in production, and you have to take this to market and. As you mentioned, uh, there's led to you know huge oversupplies, which has depressed prices in the region. It's also less led to this trend of flaring that's been in the news a lot over time. Matt, can you talk a little bit about that
1: and what kind of uh, the controversy has been there? Yeah, so flaring is just a way of getting rid of gas um, that they don't have pipelines for, and unlike oil, uh, they can truck that to um, different storage places. But natural gas it has to flow through a pipeline or be liquefied, so there. are Options are to either reinject it back on the ground, which costs money, or to flare it off, which is to burn it off. And um, so they've been doing that, and they burned off so much gas at the end of last year, it was stunning. They could power every home in Texas with the amount of gas that they're flaring off, and just because it was cheaper to just burn it than use it. Um, but these pipelines, that that's, they're going to help solve this problem, and um, you know they'll be able to monetize this gas.
0: Exactly. So so whenever whenever pipelines come online, the the cost to get that to market uh, decreases, and so it can make economic sense to start delivering this, this gas to market, which is obviously great. We don't want to you know this is this is uh, a clean burning fuel that uh, we would like to you know see put to good use. Uh, before we dive into uh, Kinder Morgan and Enterprise Products Partners, I want to talk a little bit about just about investing in pipelines from a high level. Um, So, when you first look at a pipeline or a midstream company, what are the first things you pay attention to from a financial metrics point of view, Matt?
1: Yeah, so there's three things that I look for in a pipeline company the stability of their cash flow. So, one of the big draws of pipelines is that they pay these big dividends, and that's because they they generate very steady cash flow. A lot of times it's based on these fee based contracts that they sign with producers. So, you know, an ExxonMobil drills wells in the Permian Basin, they need to get their oil to the Gulf Coast. And so they'll sign a contract, you know, to ship, let's say, 100,000 barrels a day on a pipeline. And so these pipeline companies just collect that basically like a toll booth fee as this oil goes through. So, a lot for stability of cash flow and the number that kind of Sets off for me is 85% or more. That just gives them, you know, just this really predictable cash flow. The second one is a the payout ratio. So we mentioned that uh, the dividends are the big thing with these pipeline companies. So I want to make sure that they can sustain that payout. So I'm looking for a payout ratio of less than 80%, or um another way that they kind of like a metric they use is a distribution coverage ratio so the equivalent of that's 1.2 percent or 1.2 times sorry and then a healthy balance sheet which um, is an investment grade balance sheet in in my book and that just means that bond rating companies take a look at their books and say you know this company is um, worthy of investors trust. And uh, the typical number that they look at is 4.0 times debt to EBITDA or less, which is basically companies generating enough cash flow um, per year that in within four years they could pay off their debt. So those are the three metrics that I look for.
0: Yeah. So and. What's attractive particularly about these midstream companies, we, I talked about earlier, about this huge increase in production of oil and natural gas. That makes it hard for the folks that are pulling this stuff out of the ground to make money because the price is pushed down. However, the folks that are distributing this product to market, there is more oil and natural gas flowing through the pipes, and on these fee-based contracts, they're able to make predictable uh, increased uh, returns on that. Uh, one question I have when I look at pipeline companies, it's hard to differentiate one project from another when it comes to what kind of value they're going to return to the firm, and I guess how to differentiate one pipeline company from another. So, when you look at uh, projects that these companies are investing in, how do you uh, differentiate high-quality projects from low-quality projects when it comes to investing in these companies?
1: Yeah, so, as I mentioned earlier, the, it's the stability of the cash flow. So, they'll, there's different types of projects that kind of have different types of cash flow backing to them so a, a gathering pipeline so an oil company drills wells out in let's say Texas and then they they put these pipelines right close to them to kind of gather all the oil and bring it to a central processing plant these have a lot more variability to them because if the oil production drops um, from those those wells then the the revenue will drop same thing with natural gas Processing plants. Um, they're sometimes they're not even volume based. It'll be like the the money that they can make on the difference between what they buy natural gas and then what they sell the end product from. So I don't like companies that are involved in those type of. They're called gathering and processing. I like pipeline companies that uh do the long haul pipelines. So you know when you're talking about these projects that a Kinder Morgan are building, they're these long pipelines. They're hundred percent um contracted. And so, they know exactly what they're going to get every quarter, every year, they're going to get the same amount of money. So, I like that stability when I'm looking for a pipeline, or working for a midstream company.
0: Sure. And on the back half of the show, we're going to talk specifically about Kinder Morgan Enterprise Product Partners, but is there another midstream company that comes to mind that kind of checks off all those boxes that you like to see that maybe investors should pay attention to?
1: Yeah, so one of the favorites that I have, it's kind of specifically oil on the Permian Basin, is uh, Plains All American Pipeline. They're a master limited partnership, uh, but they also have a corporate option that investors can do. It's called Plains um, GP Holdings. So there's two different options for investors. It pays a great dividend. It's seven and a half percent right now. Um, but again, it, what did I look for, I'm looking for those big three. So in this case, it's 85 percent fee based cash flow backed by those long-term pipelines. And then their dividend payout ratio is actually 50% right now, which is exceptional. So that that means they've, you know, they're only paying out half what comes in for the dividend and the other half they can use to reinvest in your pipelines. And then the third thing that they excel at is is their balance sheet. Investment grade, it has um, a 3.0 leverage ratio, which is obviously better than 4.0. So, they've got a great balance sheet, great payout ratios, steady cash flow. And that gives them all this financial flexibility to invest in new projects. They've got, I think they're up to like seven pipelines that they're working on right now. Um, The most exciting one is this Wink to Webster pipeline. It's an oil pipeline project with ExxonMobil that will bring um, start in 2021. It's going to ship over a million barrels per day from the Permian to the Gulf Coast. Um, it'll help Exxon um, putting some oil in some of the refineries, and then they'll export it. So great project, and uh, it'll help planes grow its dividend. They're looking at at least 5% per year for the next several years, and it's super safe, um, like I said, with those great metrics. so I think it's a really interesting company for investors to take a look at.
0: Yeah, it's one to check out. It's, uh, the tickers on those is PAA and PAGP. All right, On the back half of the show, we're going to talk about Kinder Morgan Enterprise Product Partners. But first, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. But the problem growing businesses have that keeps them from knowing their numbers is their hodgepodge of business systems. They have one system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory, and so on. It's just a big, inefficient mess, taking up too much time and too many resources, and that hurts the bottom line. That's why we're introducing NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting, orders, and HR instantly, right from your desktop or phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number 1 cloud business system. And right now NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide 7 key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com/full. That's netsuite.com/full to download your free guide 7 key strategies to grow your profit. Once again, that's netsuite.com/full. Okay, Matt. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Kinder Morgan and Enterprise Product Partners. Uh, the first one of those I want to talk about is Kinder Morgan. Uh, folks not familiar with this company, it's North America's largest transporter of natural gas, refined products, and carbon dioxide, and it's the top independent uh, storage terminal operator uh, for those for those uh, substances. Uh, when you look at Kinder Morgan off the top, what should investors be
1: aware of with this company? Yeah, so It's one of the largest in- energy infrastructure companies that you mentioned, It's so that it gives it diversification. Uh, but its focus is natural gas, and natural gas being a cleaner burning fuel than oil. That's going to be very important for the company going forward, especially with the amount of natural gas we have. So, that's going to provide them with a lot of growth opportunities, and uh, it's going to be around a lot longer than oil uh, as far as their growth opportunities. So, I like them for that natural gas aspect. Yeah, natural gas is kind of. There's been a lot of pressure on the price of that kind of
0: product over time, and it's kind of. at the same lows for maybe maybe years and years and years. Does that have any impact on Kinder Morgan as a midstream player, or are they they very insulated based on their contracts around the you know the the, the price of that uh, commodity?
1: Yeah, so it, they're basically insulated against natural gas. Other than as we mentioned in the first part of the show, the gathering and processing aspect of it, they've got a little bit of that, but for the most part, they have. These long term contracts with minimum volume contracts. So that means they get paid whether or not um, hydrocarbons actually flow through their pipelines. So they're roughly insulated. The concern is like the near term growth. So it's with natural gas being so low, there's not going to be as much drilling for natural gas. So that might crimp demand for new pipelines. It might make it less likely that they grow as fast as they could in the near term. But long term, natural gas is a, a really compelling story.
0: Yeah, it just just burns cleaner than coal and those and those other traditional yeah. power power sources and you know that that that's where the, where the the grid is headed certainly. Um when it comes to the new projects that that Kinder Morgan is investing in, they, I mean they have a, a number of projects set to come online in the Permian specifically. Can you can you talk a little bit about those Matt and what should we should be paying attention
1: to there? Yeah, so just in the past couple of weeks, they brought on the Gulf Coast Express Pipeline, which is this long-haul natural gas pipeline. It'll transport two billion cubic feet of gas per day from the Permian. So, to put that in perspective. As we mentioned earlier, the Permian was flaring like five hundred billion cubic feet. So, it'll absorb, help absorb most of that, and then, um, you know, give the industry room for growth. So it's a completely fee-based. 100% of the capacity is locked up. So it's a great project for Kinder Morgan. They're going to collect these study fees. Um, So that's the kind of the first one. And then they've got the. Another one that's set to come online next year. It's called the Permian Highway Pipeline. Very similar, uh, I think it's about 2.1 billion cubic feet of capacity, a little bit different location along the Gulf Coast, but it, you know, very similar type of idea and concept is that it's taken all that associated natural gas out of the Permian that producers are kind of wasting and bring it to market outlets. Then they have a third one, uh, it's called Permian Pass, it's in development. It's not um, in their backlog right now, but given the amount of growth that the region's expected, it, it's probably a lock to be um, green-lighted within the next year or so, would be my guess. The, uh, Kinder Morgan CEO Steve Keen commented one of the conference calls, said that they need basically a Gulf Coast Express pipeline per year, so you know that kind of tells you that they're going to need this Permian Pass eventually. And then they've got a bunch of other projects, kind of related to that, kind of like the downstream. So they got all this gas flowing to the Gulf Coast. It needs an outlet, so it's going to go to petrochemical complexes. It's going to go to LNG export facilities, utilities. So they're really involved uh, along the Gulf Coast region, which is where all this gas is going to pour into.
0: Yeah, and at the same time that they've been investing in all these new projects, as there's you know huge demand with with all this natural gas and and, and oil coming out of the Permian. Um, They've also been divesting from some of, some some of their older uh, older assets uh, in, in Canada. Can you talk a little bit about that? I know that's that's been something that really uh, played out over a number of years, and they've finally kind of gotten those assets off their back a little bit.
1: Yeah. So Kinder Morgan uh, initially thought that Canada was going to be a great place to invest in for growth wise. They had this pipeline called the Trans Mountain Pipeline that took oil from the oil sands out to the west coast. It's the only one that did that or does that. And uh, they were going to expand the capacity by three times. However, they ran into a lot of opposition, and it just became such a headache that they ended up selling it to the government of Canada. And uh, that's kind of led them to, to look for options for the rest of their Canadian assets. So they ended up packaging, um, they have a publicly traded company up there called Morgan Canada. They sold that to another pipeline company called Pembina Pipeline, an all-stock deal. And so Kinabarian owns 70% of that. So they're going to get Pembina stock. And then they sold a, a related pipeline called the Cochin Pipeline that takes, it, it's it's called, they call it diluent. Um, and what it does, it, it helps take that really um, molasses-like oil that they produce in the the oil sands and it helps dilute it so that they can, it flows through pipelines. So, they sold those um, projects and pipelines and all that to Pembina and they'll get cash for that pipeline, so that gives them money to pay down debt and then that Pembina stock that they'll probably um, cash in on in the next year or so and they can use that to buy back stock or invest in new projects.
0: Yeah, you mentioned paying down some of that debt. Kinder Morgan does tick up a little bit above that four times EBITDA number you like to see uh, out of a, mm-hmm. out of a, a midstream company. Any thoughts on that leverage level and, and and how that's progressing over time?
1: Yeah, it was I think like five point eight or five point nine a couple of years ago, and that was just way too high. And they've gotten it down to four uh, after the sale, it'll be about 4.4 times. So, that's a much more comfortable level. Um, that's actually within their comfort zone because they have, they're have they such a big company and have so much um, fee-based cash flow. So, they're not um, as concerned with the 4.0 number that I would like to see. Um, I wouldn't mind if they pushed it down a little bit more, uh, but it's, it's still a comfortable balance sheet.
0: Sure, and then last thing on Kinder Morgan, looking out at their dividend, you know they cut their dividend significantly in 2015, but they've started taking it back up uh, over recent years. They announced a plan in 2017 where they would raise their dividend 60% in 2018, 25% in 2019, and another 25% in 2020. What's kind of the trajectory on 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 dividend increases past that uh, framework that they've laid out, or, or what should we be paying attention to there from the company?
1: Yeah so when they sold the Trans Mountain pipeline they said that their aim is to secure 2 to 3 billion dollars of new projects each year and at the low end that would en- enable them to grow their earnings by about 4% per year so at a minimum i would expect that they could do that low to mid single digit uh dividend growth going forward i think that's a safe um, area they're going to cover their payout by about 50% so kind of like planes it's a very safe dividend uh it's got a good yield so you know, I think it'll be me, you know, five percent per year going forward, which isn't amazing, but it's still pretty solid. Sure. I mean, when you own the backbone of of the U.S. natural gas infrastructure,
0: with with the way that uh, is projected to move going forward, it, it seems like it it could be a, a a high probability bet for for some income going forward. Uh, the other company that we're going to talk about today is Enterprise Products Partners. A little bit bigger than Kinder Morgan, a $60 billion company, about 30% larger than them. When you compare enterprise products to Kinder Morgan, what are the main differences folks should see, and what should stand out to you about this company specifically?
1: Yeah, so the big difference is, Enterprise is a master limited partnership, whereas Kinder Morgan's a regular corporation. So, master limited partnerships, it can be a little bit more challenging for investors. You can't own those in an IRA, for example, uh, you have to own a, like a regular brokerage account. And then they set in what's called a Schedule K-1 for taxes versus uh, the 1099 that most investors are familiar with. That can complicate your tax a little bit, they come later in the year. So that's just something to be aware of. Uh, the other big difference is, whereas Kinder Morgan's natural gas uh, enterprise Products partner diversified, however, natural gas liquids is their big thing, and that's kind of the uh, we use them a lot to make petrochemicals. It's it's one of the main building blocks for plastics. So they're much more focused on that, which is a, really a niche market, but it's been a very great and profitable niche for them.
0: Yeah, another difference between them and Kinder Morgan is as enterprise products has a much more conservative balance sheet relative to Kinder Morgan down in the threes on, on their debt to EBITDA. Uh, when you look at that part of, of the business, what kind of stands out to you?
1: Yeah, definitely the stronger balance sheet gives them more financial flexibility. They can invest in more growth projects. They have more capacity to make acquisitions if they find good deals. So, you know, in this business, especially with what the industry's been through the past couple of years, the stronger the balance sheets, the better. So that definitely gives them a competitive advantage.
0: Yeah. When it when we take a look at the products they're investing in going forward, they have two pipelines currently operating in the Permian, but what else are they investing in and in going forward to kind of start to grow their their asset base?
1: Yeah, so I mentioned that they're very big into the NGLs and petrochemicals. So one of the really interesting deals they just signed was with Lionel Basel Industries. It's a uh, They're going to build, it's called a PDH plant. And what it does, it'll take propane, which is one of those NGLs, and convert it to this uh, basic building block for plastics. And it's going to supply that to the, the chemical company under a long-term contract. So that's, you know, it, it fits in well with what they're trying to do is trying to find outlets for these NGLs. Uh you know again, it's kind of like oil and natural gas. We have so much of it here in the the States that our options are to use it or to export it. So they're doing both. They're building export projects for the NGLs, and then they're building these petrochemical plants that will use it. And uh, then on the export side, in addition to some NGL export projects, they've got this seaport oil terminal or the spot terminal, and that's an offshore export terminal. And the reason that's interesting is that uh, one of the ways that they can Ship oil overseas is these very large crude carriers, which carry 2 million barrels. And they're so big that they can't fit into a lot of the ports. So the only way to fully fill them up is to do it offshore. Otherwise, they have to truck oil and you know, they can kind of partially fill it and then they'll take um, these little ships and you know fill them up. But this, this allows them to do it much more efficiently. So, this one would be built offshore, it'll be a much uh, cheaper and more efficient way to export oil. So, that one could come online in a couple of years. And so, with these projects, it gives them a lot of visibility and growth. They've got $6 billion in projects currently under construction of the 5 to 10 um, that they're working on. So, a lot of growth coming online with them.
0: Yeah, and on that export deal, they're partnering with with Chevron. So obviously, a great partner to have uh, in in the you know the oil exploration and production area. Uh, when you look at Enterprise Products Partners, the dividend obviously very important uh, for them, yielding over sixty six percent. Excuse me, not sixty six percent. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty good. Um, yielding yeah, yielding over <laughs> yielding over six percent uh, have increased their dividend for for sixty one uh, straight quarters. Uh, I mean. It, can it get much safer than than this dividend that this company has paid out?
1: It's one of the safest in the midstream sectors. We mentioned you know the metrics before, but eighty five percent plus uh, fee based cash flow, one point seven times coverage ratio, which is you know really good, and then um, you know the top notch balance sheet. So this is, in my opinion, one of the safest dividends in the energy industry.
0: Yeah, I mean. And it- if you can get if you can get a safe six percent dividend when it when it appears that the growth that's going to come out out of this region and just the current market environment appears very attractive when you when you look at at these three companies that we've talked about today so Plains All American Enterprise Products Partners and Kinder Morgan uh, of those three if you had to only buy one today as you sit today uh, which one is, would you be most excited about buying?
1: It's a really tough question because I like all three. I own. Uh, Enterprise and Kinder Morgan, personally. So, um, of those two that I already own, I recently added to Enterprise. Uh, I just really like uh, the strength of their balance sheet, their diversification, the 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 growth projects they have coming online. We mentioned Kinder Morgan's got, you know, some longer term opportunities in natural gas, but there's a lot more visibility with Enterprise Products Partners in the near term with all those projects that they've signed up. So, I that's my favorite right now.
0: Awesome, Matt. Thanks for coming on the show, as always, and we're looking forward to having you on again soon. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass. For Matt Delalo, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening and Fool on!